happy Mother's Day, you wonderful mummies, to all of you who are stuck in with your children, doing your best, keeping everyone well, keeping everyone fed and keeping everyone safe. Um, I know that this is a very trying time, so I wanted to jump on at the top of this podcast and what a treat I have for you in this podcast, but more about that in a minute, and tell you that I just, I think my take my hat off to every single solitary woman who is really holding down the fort and I hope you're all okay I hope you're doing okay and keeping your sanity (laughs) mine is a bit compromised probably at certain points of the day but anyway today today's episode is a real treat um I'm joined by mother kind Zoe Blasky you're going to hear much more about her in a minute um her words and wisdom that she brings here today are I'm really honored to have her on the show. Um, This was recorded before we all had to self-isolate and do our social distancing so there is no mention of the coronavirus and how to cope and deal with the coronavirus Um, but it is a gift and I hope it cheers you up and I hope it gives you some practical tools in how to manage the next few uncertain months. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of Femaling and I really send my love to each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay well, stay healthy, stay sane, (laughs) most importantly. And now on with today's show. Hi everyone and welcome to The Femaling Show. I am your host, Nicole Goodman, and I am a woman's identity expert and coach. As women, we fall into different phases of identity through our adult life and during these, our challenges can look pretty similar. Here at WRS, I will be talking to you about the real issues we all face and even the ones we can silently struggle with. Through honest, heartfelt conversation here at Femaling, you will learn how to accept yourself, understand yourself and be yourself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very exciting bonus episode of Femaling on behalf of Mother's Day. And of course, I couldn't let such a significant day for women go by without bringing you something extra special. Femaling is a podcast where we get to delve deep into honest and vulnerable conversations so all us women have space to accept themselves, understand themselves, and most importantly, and closest to my heart, be themselves. And now on to today's show, I have a guest who is the perfect fit for what I've just said and what a Mother's Day gift it is for you because today we have none other than the Zoe Blasky joining us in this special episode. Zoe is the founder of Motherkind, a self-empowerment platform for modern mums. And through Motherkind, Zoe coaches mothers of all backgrounds from global CEOs to full-time mums on how to navigate the huge challenges of modern motherhood. Zoe hosts the Motherkind podcast, which is the UK's number one family podcast on iTunes. How impressive is that? And speaks every week to world-leading experts on a range of topics from self-care, mental health, career, nutrition, and parenting. Past guests include Madeline Shaw, Bryony Gordon, Dr. Gabor Mate, Dr. Kristen Neff, and many, many others. Zoe has featured in Red, The Times, Psychologies, Goop, Sheer Lux, and The Evening Standard. The Telegraph celebrated the podcast as the antidote to the toxic perfectionism of modern motherhood. I love that. Zoe was also personally asked by Ariana Huffington to write on modern motherhood for her global well-being platform, Thrive. Zoe has two daughters and lives with her husband, Guy, in London. Zoe, welcome to emailing. Oh, thanks for having me. 
I'm so excited to have you here. And I, I actually, I was going through your website the other day, as I do, before I put a guest on, and you, you wrote something which I'd really like to read out. Zoe said, I'm so aware that my daughters won't do what I say, but copy what I do. If I want them to be happy, secure, and confident, I have to show them what that looks like. My mission with Motherkind is to share my skills and experiences to support other mums with the journey into motherhood. I hope to create a community of like-minded mums who see motherhood as an invitation to reconnect with our true selves. Oh, I just love that. I think that is... Oh, thank you. It's funny, I, I don't like... normally read my website copy. I was thinking, oh, that sounds quite good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one reads their website no, I, copy. No, I, no, I, no. Well, are you, are you pleased with what's on there now, then? Yes, it sounds very good. <laughs> I mean, you are so impressive. Let me tell you, you're an impressive, you're an impressive woman. And what makes me laugh is right at the end when you say that you've had two kids and your husband. And I'm thinking, I don't know when she fitted that in. How did you fit all of that in amongst all of your impressive career highs? Well, I guess I prioritise. I have really strong boundaries. I'm really good at saying no. And I don't see my friends as much as I'd like, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, something's always got to give, hasn't it? Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. But boundaries are really important. Like, I, I live my life, I'm really clear on my mission, and I'm really clear on what's important to me, and that's what gets my time and attention, to be honest. Like, if, you know, if I get asked to go to something that I don't want to or doesn't align with what's important to me, I say no. Um, and that can be anything from, like, a coffee with a new mum mate, to be honest. Like, I... You know, I don't do that sort of stuff much because what I do is, is I've worked out what's really important to me and I spend my time and energy there. Um, doesn't mean that it's not hard that having those boundaries and it doesn't mean that um, I don't sometimes wobble, but I'm pretty clear on what's important to me in my life. And mm. um, yeah, that's how I do it, to be honest. Um, and I, you know, I, I get myself help. I accept help. I accept a lot of help <laughs> so to enable me to, to show up how I want to. Oh, that's beautiful. So yes, you're, you're saying no to certain things, but actually you're saying yes to the more important stuff for yourself. Exactly. We can't say yes to everything. Like we, we just can't like our, you know, as mums or any busy women, really, um, we have a finite amount of energy and resource. So mm. it's really important to figure out how you're going to spend yours. Because if you don't figure out that out, the, the, the people around you will tell you how you want to spend it, right? You'll, you'll get invited to parties or, you know, coffees or even, you know, work things or anything. Um, yep. And you'll find yourself on that treadmill um, yep. of just yep. living from other people's expectations because you think you should. Um, and you'll find yourself depleted and low of energy because you're not doing the things that make you feel good. Like, I think it's a really yeah. important exercise to work out what's really important to me and, and navigate your life around those. It's really empowering. It's really disempowering to be, to be um, just living on, some, on, on other people's agendas. It doesn't feel good. I doesn't. It doesn't feel good. And we can do it so very easily, can't we? We can just really fall into it. So let me ask you a question. How do you, so when you've got that new lovely mum, who I'm sure you'll really like, and she's saying, oh, do you fancy a coffee next week? How do you say no? How do you do that? 
Yeah, it's tr- it's interesting because it's 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 really real for me right now because um, I've got a three month old and you know there's a few people that I know that I've got babies the same age and they're lovely like it's not personal like they're really lovely women and I would love to connect with them but it's just the, the, the truth is is that I don't have time and space at the moment so what I'll do is I'll say you know it's so lovely to connect I really appreciate you asking me for copy but actually my focus right now is just on you know my girls and and work and it's easy because they'll often follow me or they'll listen to the podcast. So they'll, they'll reply and they say, gosh, get it. Love last week's episode. You know, that makes it easier. Yeah. I think that people can see what I'm doing. Um, yeah. But I think the thing with boundaries is, is just to do it really lovingly and kindly. And I think it's also important when someone sets a boundary with me that I accept that boundary and I don't make that about me. So a friend recently said to me, I don't want to see you at the moment. And I have no idea why she said that. Maybe that I've triggered her. Yeah. But the the thing is, is that if I'm going to be out there setting boundaries, I have to accept other people's boundaries the other way, right? It's a huge part of boundary work, which I'm really passionate about teaching, is that we accept other people's and we don't make it about us. So I could have chosen when my friend sent that message to me to go into a huge spiral what have I done wrong? Yeah. You know, I'm working too much. I've become a really shit friend. Sorry for swearing. Mm, um, but actually, I, I chose to just think that's not about me. You know, she's, wow. she's obviously, for some reason, doesn't want to see me right now. That's okay. When she wants to see me, we'll reconnect. If she wants to tell me why, that's up to her. It's not my job to try and figure out what's going on for her. That's not my job. I haven't got the mental mm. space for that. So I think it, 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 works, it works both ways. And it's given me real confidence, actually, in, in setting boundaries. And, and people around me know that if I'm with you, it's because I really want to be with you. Yeah, I can't say I used, I'm even more grateful now that you're uh, well I used to show up at things resentfully you know have you done that like you're on a you're on a coffee or you're doing a work thing and you're like I really don't want to be here that isn't good for anyone mm. because who would want to be sat having coffee with someone that doesn't really want to be there or on a play date with someone that doesn't want to be there like it's not good for either person so I think there's a real um respect that you can gain from being really clear about just showing up to things that you really want to be at um because then when you are there you're present and you want to be there like this morning you know I'm present I want to be here I want to share with you and your audience um I'm not sat here thinking about the other things I wish I was doing and I think energetically (laughs) people get that (laughs) Yeah, they do. Uh, well, and it shows in your work. It very much shows in your work. And you talk about boundaries all the time, which is, which is yeah. something that I, I resonate very, very heavily with. And it's also something, especially amongst you know, my clients and my friends and all the women in my life, I think that that is the one thing that women, not the one thing, but a main thing that women struggle with the most. They do. It's huge. Yeah. It it is huge, isn't it? And actually, and I loved what you pointed to that actually on the other side of boundaries is, is like freedom and empowerment and energy and love. And there's so much respect there because you're actually doing the things that you truly want to do 
for yourself and for the other person. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, boundary work goes really deep. Like, at its its simplest level, you know, you and I could coach someone how to say no, right? We could coach someone how to work out what's important to them. Like, that's the surface level stuff around boundaries, and that's super important. I'm also really interested in, um, as you say, why this is such an epidemic for women. Like, why are so many, and it's not just women, but I do see it more and more in women, people pleasers that's what it really mm. is it's yes. that fear of saying no that someone mm. won't like us so yep. really what that is about is feeling that our our love for ourselves and other people's love for us is based on conditions mm. about conditional love yeah so yeah if I show up, you're going to like me and I'm going to like myself. If I say no and I show up for myself, I'm not going to be liked. And I really believe this is set up in childhood because how many times do our children, and I remember saying it to my mum, I don't want to go to that. I don't want to go to that class. And I'd be told I had to go. Yeah. Or I don't want to um, hug that relative. They make me feel weird but I would be forced to hug a relative. And I know that it's so easy to do this. Like I've done it with my daughter, Jessie. Um, but what we really do is we teach our children from a really young age to validate, violate their boundaries. Yeah, oh my goodness. We, we really do. do. Like children are amazing. If you want to know how to set a boundary, watch a child. Like they will tell you, I don't want to do that. I don't want to wear my coat. I don't want to, you know, and it's like, it's, I'm not talking about safety things here. Like if my daughter says, yeah. I don't want to hold your hand crossing the road, I'm not going to go, okay, you know, this is different stuff. But I'm, I, you know, it's really fascinating to me that we teach children to, to violate their boundaries. That's the first one. And we also, depending on what I see a lot, and obviously everyone's childhood and parenting that they had was different, but we get this idea that of conditional love. So when we quote unquote achieve, when we do well at school or when we, you know, write our name, when that's what I'm going through at the moment with Jesse, we write our name before we get to school, you know, we get massive praise for that. And, And what can happen is that children get the idea that their love and their self worth is based on being, is achieving something, is on something outside of ourselves. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So, yes, so, yes. so, so what again, can, yeah. it conditional, right? So yeah. what then happens is we go into adulthood and we take that same belief with us. I, yeah. I need to, to do something or be something in order to yeah. get love. And that's how this people pleasing gets set up. Um, because people pleasing is really about, I don't love myself enough. So I'm going to have to get you to love me. Like, it's impossible to really set boundaries without self-love. Because if you don't love yourself and you need love from others, we all have that need as humans. We all have that need. It's going to be really hard to risk setting a boundary. Because when you risk setting a boundary, you do risk the other person not enjoying that boundary. You know, you do risk, um, you know, it's coming to stand in your power. And yeah. if you don't have that level of self-love and esteem, it's going to be really hard to do that. It's really, really hard. So that's why I say, like, the first thing to do at boundary work is to start to work on your relationship with yourself and mm-hmm. get really comfortable with, with just showing up for yourself and putting yourself above others. Like, before I started all this, this work and, you know, working on myself, I would so rather 
hurt myself than hurt someone else. So I would rather say yes to someone else, even though it meant saying no to myself. I would Mm. rather keep 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 a friendship going, even though I didn't enjoy the friendship, even though I felt like I wasn't able to be myself in that friendship. In the past, I would stay in that friendship because I couldn't bear the pain I guess of of me saying you know actually this doesn't work for me anymore I couldn't bear the pain of someone being upset with me or hurt with me so I would stay in things I had no courage because I didn't have a relationship with myself so like this boundary work is really deep and it gets really profound the more you get into it Um, It and it can be really messy as well can't really messy yeah yeah, and, and know, it's I, imperfect. I, I, like I, I still do my boundary work imperfectly. Um, you know, the I, other I can't day tell I found you how my... much relief there is as you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. You know, no, no one does anything perfectly. Like that is that is another illusion that we tell ourselves. You know that because, and I get that a lot. Like people are like, "What you you talk about this stuff? You teach this stuff, and you get it wrong." Of course I do. Like, mm. you know, same as you. You know, I'm I'm a work in progress. We all are. But the difference with me today is I catch it. Is I'm aware of it. So I said yeah. yes to something, a work thing, the other day, and it was niggling at me. And I was like, "Oh, I don't want to do that thing. They're not paying me enough." It's going to take me ages. I don't feel excited about it. I don't want to do it, but I'd already said yes. Must have caught me on an off moment when I said yes. And, um, and so I just emailed back because it was really niggling at me. And I thought, you know, I don't want well, to... You, I'm, so, so that niggle, like, but that, yeah. that's the moment, isn't it? That's the sign. That's the piece. That we yeah, the discomfort, the discomfort, ignore. yeah, yeah, the yeah. discomfort will tell you everything you need to know. So I could have Love chosen that. to numb. I could have chosen to numb that discomfort mm. and just ignored the feeling. And every time yeah. the feeling came up, I could have grabbed my phone or eaten something, or yeah. you know, I could I could have really easily just avoided it. But because I meditate every morning, it's kind of impossible to do that. So <laughs> I I was like this this discomfort is because it's because I shouldn't do this thing. I really shouldn't do this thing. So, and it's a brand and I sort of love the brand and you know, there's like some stuff going on for me there. And I thought, God, if I say no, will they ask me again? And I thought that's scarcity thinking. Scarcity yeah. thinking is if I say no, I'm going to never going to get asked again. So I emailed yeah. the woman and I said, listen, I know I've said yes um, to this and it's a workshop they want me to deliver. I know I've said yes to this, but I'm actually going to have to, decline for these reasons i was super honest um and i said but listen here are three people who i know are excellent at this type of work and i'm and i know all of them and here are all their details and i've reached out to them and they're happy to hear from you so that's how i handle that kind of thing like i don't do it rudely i i sort of help you know but but i give myself permission to change my mind congratulations can i just say because, well, that is a beautiful way of managing it. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of consciousness and self-development to get to that point where you think, yep. actually, actually, this discomfort isn't going to work for me. And I know myself well enough to know, and I've been down this road so many times to know that I'm just going to turn up, as you said before, resentfully. And I don't want to do that. Well, I pay quite a high price for when I, if I abandon myself, you know, that's how I lived all my life before I started this work. If I abandon myself, I pay a high price because then 
I show up to something that I don't want to do, then the ne- it's insidious, this stuff. And then you're sort of, I'm on that downward spiral of abandoning myself, of doing things I don't want to do. And then I'm sort of not feeling good. And then I'm snapping at the girls. And then I'm snapping yeah. at my husband. You know, it's like, yeah. it's these tiny things. Like I think some people think like personal development is like this big sort of burning bush and you do one thing or one program or you work with one coach or go on one retreat and it's done. It's absolutely oh my not my, not my experience. My experience mine. is that this, it's a mine. daily thing. Like it's a, yeah. just a daily choice. Like today I'm going to make mistakes. How am I going to handle those mistakes? And today have I done some things to set me up? to be the sort of person that I want to be. So have I eaten well this morning? Yes. Have I drunk in a water? Yes. Have I meditated? Yes. Yeah. Have I thought about, is there anything niggling me that I feel discomfort about that I need to address? Yes. Like, can I just do these things? And some days I don't do them, but I have experience of what it feels like when I don't do them. Yeah. And, and, you ha- and it, yeah. St- it starts to feel not good. Like my life starts to feel um, overwhelmed and I start to feel resentment as you said and um from resentment I start to feel like a victim you know and it's and then the stress comes it's just a downward spiral that I'm not interested in because I I've been there I lived there from that place for a long time um and that's the benefit you know of having hit bottom it's 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 a gift because I I know what it feels like I don't want to go back there so I've got I've got a lot of skin in the game (laughs) for keeping myself (laughs) um keeping myself in a good place and I and I love that you point to that it's an everyday practice and it is an everyday practice and some days you know some days I completely get it wrong and some days I think you know what I rock today so I'm really proud of myself And I always tell my girls that because I'm also a mother of two girls. And I consciously don't want them to see me sitting in perfectionism and then them then having to match up to this, what they deem as the perfect woman. I think that would be devastating for them. So I make a lot of mistakes, luckily, um, and I do them very transparently in front of my children. Um, And they know that I am an imperfect creature and I think it's so important that the younger generations of women understand that that it's okay to make mistakes but as you said catch them quickly catch them quickly and just have the awareness around it so that you can then do better the next day and represent yourself how you want to do the next day yeah and I think I think it's so important to like I think with the perfectionism I've got an online course on it because I saw that it was just really insidious. And perfectionism is really about feeling not enough. Yeah. Like when we yep. feel like we have to show up in a certain way, it's really because we don't feel enough as we are. And that mm. clearly, that, that message often got blueprinted to us from our own mothers and what we were told as children and we grow up that. And if we don't, if we don't change that modeling, absolutely we'll pass that on to our children. So with Jesse and my girls and, and how I live and what I teach is that to be human is to be messy. Mm. That is, that is just a fact of life. So yes, to be human is. is to have prob it's, it's to have problems. Yes. Like so many of my clients will come to me and they'll say, I've got all these problems. I'm like, congratulations, you're a human. There's nothing wrong yes. with you. Everyone yes. has problems. It's part of, you know, it's, it's, uh, Tony Robbins says your only problem is that you think you shouldn't have any. <laughs> That's your only problem. Your only yeah. problem. Like, of course yeah. we have problems. Like, so, so to be imperfect and messy 
uh, is is to be human and mm. to 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 move away from that by putting a mask on or trying to pretend that we've got it all sorted is where the damage is you know is where i abandon myself is where i then show, teach my girls that you're not enough so what i really really want to embody i try and tell my girls less than i try to show them that's my other big principle is i really just try to show them yeah because they don't listen to my, what i say anyway like you know children don't they they, they watch and I, they learn Zoe, i don't know what i don't know what you mean i've got a 12 year old <laughs> and a nine-year-old they listen to every word that you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly 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 so i just want jesse to see that i am imperfect and and of course I'm imperfect because I'm a human, but here's the key that I love myself anyway. Yeah. Beautiful. Cause then when you love yourself, just as you are, however you are, the world's your oyster because you're not going to be looking for validation outside of yourself. No. You know, I like spun off into a career that just wasn't, you know, it gave me many gifts, but it never felt like me because I was doing it for outside validation I would date people um for outside validation I you know my whole my whole world um before I started before my rock bottom and my healing my whole world was about um getting love from outside of myself because I never felt enough as I was and you're you're not free if you are living for other people's validation and love you are not free you can't be yourself Right. So my greatest gift for Jesse and Rose is that, is that they just love themselves as they are. Because then I know they can go and do anything they want. They'll, they'll, they won't get stuck in toxic dysfunctional relationships. They won't get in any abusive friendships. They will choose subjects at school that genuinely light them up, not the ones they think they quote unquote should do. Mm. I just know that if, they can, if I can instill that in them, I know that I don't have to worry about much as a parent, yeah. honestly. They're not going to get into addiction. They're not going to get into, um, you know, self-harm or anxiety or depression or all these horrendous things that we see our young people and, you know, adults struggling with. I know that if I can just instill that in them by watching me, that would be that would be success for me with parenting. No, nothing else matters. I genuinely don't care about what they do. I genuinely don't care about grades. I really don't. Um, I just I care about self love. Yeah, and and I can echo that completely. And I had a conversation with my twelve year old who's been having a really rough time at school, and I said to her, "As long as you do what you feel is right by you, then I don't care. I don't care what grades you get, but just." Try your best, whatever that may be. I said, and for the people like you and me, the creative people, unfortunately, the education system isn't set up to celebrate yeah. you as much as you should be celebrated right now. I said, but in five years' time, when you've got all your choices in front of you at the age of 16, you will make those choices that make you feel alive. But the school system is not set up for it. Yeah, it's really wise. It's really wise. And I think, you know, school you know, my four-year-old's going to go to school in September. So I'm going to do some work summer just thinking about, you know, what, how am I going to guide her through this? And I think mm. what school is great for teaching at, uh, teaching is, is how to be kind to others. You know, and I, yeah. I teach Jessie that at nursery. Like I, she says to me, you'll be so proud of me, mummy. Someone was on their own today and I went and asked if I could play with them. Oh, and things like that just just teaching kindness yeah. because 
I think education is important, right? We know that it's it's so much can be um, in underdeveloped countries and people with opportunities that, that our children naturally will have because they're white and they're middle class, right? So, so this is not about saying that education isn't important. But for me, I know that Jesse will always have those opportunities because of the family that we are. I think what's what's more important is is how does school teach her how to navigate relationships like how can I teach her how to navigate like I'm sure you've got it more than I have yet you know those tricky female friendships bullying how, yeah. how can I how navigate the way through them yep it, exactly it, how can I oh. how can we help our children um you know, not say, okay, that's it, I'm coming into the school or I'm phoning the mum or, you know, see those like reactions. How could I help her through this, through the next, I guess, like what, I got 14 years of schooling ahead. <laughs> how, can oh. I, how can I help her get some really important resilience and transferable skills? How can I help yeah. her be, be, the, be the woman um, and the girl that is kind and compassionate? That's really what I see I see school as because to be honest, what they're being taught is going to be out of date. It already is out of date because the world yep. is moving so fast. Yep. So it's not yep. about, you know, the, the facts that they learn or, you know, can they write or, you know, because most of the really, really happy and happy is a fleeting feeling, but I mean, content, serene, secure people that I know, um, it didn't do very well at school. Yeah. There's a really interesting correlation for me there. Um, so yeah school is is such a fascinating one it's going to be really good for me I'm going to learn so much about myself because <laughs> you know school was really hard for me I was bullied um so it's going to be triggering for me for sure like if Jessie comes home and says that she's being bullied I'm going to have to do a lot of work not to project all of my pain around that onto her there's been a lot of that going on in my household. And interestingly, because she has had such a rough time with some of the girls in her school, um, I came, I was um, shopping with my daughter a couple of weeks ago and I bumped into a girl that used to bully me back in school. And I was with my daughter and we got talking and she, and we would, you know, I've seen her over the years. And she said to me something, she asked how old my daughter was. And I said, oh, she's just gone into year seven. And she said, oh, do you remember when we went into year seven? Wasn't it great? We had the most wonderful time. I said, actually, I didn't have the most wonderful time. And she said, why? I said, because I was very badly bullied. And she said, by who? And I said, by you. And it was this moment of, and, you know, she was kind of, oh, my God, I don't remember that. And I said, it's okay, it's fine. But it was a very difficult year for me. Um, but having this moment with my 12-year-old daughter that I now stood in front of the bully from however many years ago as the woman that I am and being able to just say, it's okay, it's fine, I've let go of it, but just know that that's what happened. It was, it was the most empowering thing. I can't even explain why, but we walked away and my daughter was just, I can't believe you said that to your bully. And I said, you know what? You get to say whatever you want to say because that's what lives in your heart and soul. You don't need to shy away or be scared. You just get to be honest and you get to be who you are. I wasn't unkind and I wasn't rude. I was just very direct. But to be able for my daughter to see it, it was it was a very surreal moment. Mm, it was powerful. What's it was interesting really to me about that as well is so often, like when I was bullied, I really made that. I really took it personally. And yet, and yet, of course, right? Of you course, know, I was, I was told these things. Like I made up all these stories 
that I wasn't liked, that I wasn't popular, that I had nothing to say, that I didn't know what I liked, that I, and partly, right, partly some of those, some of that was true. I didn't know myself. And that's what a lot of the girls used to say, like, oh, you copy what we say. And I did used to copy what they say because yeah. I didn't know myself. But, but, so that's really interesting to hold and examine. And I've done lots of, you know, lots of work around that. But what's interesting is, is that Billy said to you, God, I didn't remember. And yet yeah. I bet you remember every word, every sting, every, so I think what's so important, yeah. uh, you know, and this is so true, like, 99% of the time, it's not about you. Does yeah. that make sense? Right. Like it's, Absolutely. it's, it's someone it's else's it, yeah. unconscious, you know, yeah. need for whatever it is, is going on with that other person. And yet yeah. what we do is when someone says something to us from their unconscious wounded place, we make it our truth. And then we start living out from that truth. Like, I can't tell you then. I really started to believe that I had nothing to say for myself. I started to believe that I wasn't liked. I really believed it. And then it becomes a truth, right? And then that's how my you truth. behave around Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So then I started to start to act aloof and superior, which was one of my big coping tools. Because I couldn't bear to get close to people because I thought they're going to find out that the truth of me, which is that I'm, I'm not likable. So, so really, I think what is so powerful as, as parents and mothers and women is to challenge our own stories. Like, I'm sure you do this loads with coaching. It's what I yeah. do day in, day out. Is that true? Is that yeah. really true? And it's not, it never is. But the thing is, is sometimes I say the fish doesn't know it's in water. If we've been living these stories about... about I love it. Yeah. If we've been living these stories about who we are, for long enough they feel like the truth they really do but they're not and so I think that's what's really interesting when our girls come home and if you're lucky I mean it's great that your daughter's told you she's being bullied I never told my mom I kept it all to myself yeah um so that's it that's a massive win firstly that yeah, she feels you. that you can hold space for her and you're not going to your pain is not going to over um, be too much for her pain, which is, which is how I felt with my mum. I thought she's not going to be able to handle my pain, so I'm not going to tell her. Um, well, I will say in full transparency that being the messy creatures that we are, it has taken over sometimes. It absolutely has. But, um, and I probably did feel that fear on her because it brought so much back for me. This um, is it. This is what's so interesting about parenting, right? Is that yes. it's going to bring up all of our stuff and... And your awareness of it is, is just incredible because when we're aware of it, that's when we can do something about it. Mm. So, so and, and also having the strength to say to my daughter, you know, I get it. And the empathy to say, I, I, I totally get this. I know how hard this is for you because I've been there and I've done it and I've turned out okay. Yeah. And that's so powerful, like, just to say, that's holding space, isn't it? I see how hard this is for you. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not our job. What I think so many parents, and, and I guess I would do this too, had I, have I not, you know, done all the work that, that I sort of try to do every day imperfectly, is that we think that it's our job to make sure that our children have no pain in their lives. Mm -hmm. And this is really interesting because 
when we love, I mean, I don't know about you, but the love for my girls, I'm sure you're the same, is like not, uh, and there's nothing that can compare to the love that I feel for my girls. I want to protect them. I want them to just be happy all the time. But that's not real, but that's not real life. No. So when we try to minimize pain for our children, okay, so this looks like when they're little, shush, shush, don't cry, or when they fall over, get up, you're not really hurt, you know, all of that stuff. When we try to do that, we teach them two things. We're teaching them that their feelings don't matter. So their feelings don't go away, they just get stuffed. That's what happened to me and happened to you know, many, many, many women talk about Well, it this. was unconscious parenting, wasn't it then? Yeah, now it's exactly. much more conscious parenting. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the first thing that happens. And then, and then the second thing is, is that we, when we don't allow them to have their pain, we teach them, we're really teaching them, we're robbing them of an opportunity to build their own resilience and strength. Mm. So, so it's like saying, like you did to your daughter, I can see how hard this is for you. And then being quiet not fixing fixing would look like i'm going to talk to the mom this isn't okay you know it's like how are you going to handle this coaching I, coaching right yeah because, well coaching the answer to everything you'll be amazed <laughs> like what what children will come up with and the resilience and the inner strength i believe we all have resilience and inner strength Good we one. all are given everything that we need to handle whatever life throws at us yeah and that's like a core belief that i have about myself now and and hopefully that i'm instilling in my girls is that you can handle anything life throws at you but if i step in and i try and fix it i'm telling you that i don't think you can handle this and that can be anything from you know jesse falling off her scooter and me picking it up you know i'll say pick your scooter up you know, we cry and I say, does it hurt? Yes. Cry some more. Tears are nature's way of getting pain out is what I say to her. And then I say, pick your scooter up. Because it's like these little insidious things. Like if I'm stepping in all the time, I'm not helping her get that basis of esteem. And then she becomes totally reliant on you. And then she doesn't have her own, her own ground. Yeah. And this is what happened to me. Like my mum... Um, was an incredible mum in so many ways, but but like so many parents, unconscious. Like she hadn't had the opportunity to do any inner work that, that I have. Um, so she sort of helped us really effectively become under-responsible. Um, she did way too much for us. Um, like I always joke, like I never had to make my bed. I never had to really do anything at home. Um, my pain was minimized. Uh, challenging things were fixed for us. Hard things in our family were kept from us. So I really sort of was totally unprepared for the real world. Um, but having had that experience, it's really helped me, A, because I've, I've healed it and I, I'm now sort of showing up for myself. But it's really changed the way that I'm parenting. Yeah. Well, it's informed how you want to parent. Yeah, and I think we get two choices with these blueprints that we get handed down. You know, we either unconsciously copy them, which is what happens if we don't become aware of it, or we get to say, okay, what bits do I want to take? Like, there are amazing things that my parents did that I absolutely am replicating um, with my girls. Um, But there are also some things that I won't be replicating um, that I I become aware of and I'm going to change and then we do I've done the same with my husband like okay what is it that we want to take from your upbringing from your family and what do we want to leave behind a generation and that is conscious parenting that is conscious parenting and that didn't exist back when our parents 
were parenting us. It was everything no. was completely and utterly unconscious. Yeah, typically, like, every, you know, some people would have, you know, hit the jackpot and had a parent who was a therapist or was in recovery or, you know, on some people. But generally, like, you're right, this just wasn't a conversation um, that was happening. So that I think that's what's so interesting about our generation of mothers. And do you, think, do you think that's impacting the mothers that you work with now, do you think that's impacting them in a positive way, in a negative way? Like, what do you see happening now that we've got all this conscious parenting? I think, um, absolutely, absolutely. Like, any rise in consciousness, and by that I just mean awareness, is a fantastic thing, okay? Because when we're aware of something, we can change it. We can't change what we're not aware of. Okay, so any rise in awareness, any inner work is absolutely brilliant. What we have to just be careful of is that we don't think that this conscious parenting lark is another thing that we get to win at or another thing we get to be perfect at or another thing we get to beat ourselves up for not doing. Mm -hmm. That's where we just have to be careful. (laughs) Um, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes. then it's because then we're repeating the same pattern, right? We're repeating yeah. that same. I'm not doing yeah. this right. Therefore, I'm not enough. Therefore, I'm not lovable. No, that, and that how, is, how, and that's just not helpful to your to, to any to any part of your life, especially your parenting. Exactly. 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 So I think the power is lies in really simple stuff like just grab a piece of paper. What, what was good about my childhood? What was good and what good things did I get from my parents? Okay, I got resilience, I got this, I got that. What, and what do I not want to repeat? Mm. This, that, you're doing it. Then you're doing conscious parenting. And I bet one of the things that you don't want to repeat is you might have seen your mum be really hard on herself. I know I did. So, yeah. so, okay, so then I want to model being really kind to myself. Mm. And, and, and that and that includes your boundaries and yes. all of yourself and your self-care yes and exactly self-care. yes yeah. so so self-care uh, there's a real pattern that i've noticed is is with the people that i work with and you know chat to um on my platforms the people that really struggle with with this idea of looking after themselves and they think it's selfish and mm. never had it modeled to them yeah. So one, I'll say, um, did you, what did your, what was your mum's view on this, or your dad's view, or you know your caregivers? And I'll say, oh yeah, I never saw my mum sit down. I'm like, okay, so you be kind to yourself. Like the reason you're finding this so hard is because it feels so weird to you. You never had it modelled. That's okay. Yeah. Of course you find it weird and hard. But do you want to do you want to carry this on a generation? Oh, absolutely not. So when your daughter's a mum. Do you want her to look after yourself? Of course, they say. Right, okay. So let's start modelling it. Yeah. And if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your daughter, but just do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't really matter how you show up at something as long as you do do, it. I I still find it quite interesting, and I see it all the time as well, how women still think that looking after themselves is selfish. Yeah, because we, we, we might have got that modelled, you know, that, that is like core programming, like to put myself first is selfish. That would have come typically from watching a caregiver, typically a mother, the same behavior, or they might have got messages about that in their family. So they might have said, I'm really tired. Um, I'm not going to come down for the family dinner tonight. And they might have got told that's not acceptable. That's selfish. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just a core belief that, that they, through no fault of their own, no fault of their own, but, but once we become aware of it and we start yeah. to think, actually, I, I really ha- normally it's because there is a bit of a burning bush, like someone will be at burnout or they'll just be really stressed or really anxious and know they have to make a change. So there's a big incentive, but then it's mm. being kind, kind to yourself about why you found it hard up till now. And, um, and having the allowance and the space to actually look after yourself before you get to that absolute meltdown point. Or the, you yeah, know, but you won't be able to do that. If, if, you've, if you're running a strong core belief that I'm not worthy of looking after, you won't be able to do that. No. How would you? There's also a big status symbol in being busy. You know, people thrive of, oh, I'm so busy. And they think it, it adds to their productivity or it adds to their, uh, to their value and to their identity. I know many women in my life that run around like headless chickens going from A to B to C to D and never stopping. Well, this and- is another one that's like goes a lot deeper for me because I think being busy is really being busy is a really effective tool to avoid ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because actually stopping, I don't know about you, but when I had my breakdown, when I actually stopped and I stopped running around, all my feelings that I did not want to feel came up. Mm. Yes. So I get it. I get why people are running around on, you know, not stopping because, because they're probably avoiding themselves from all the stuff from childhood, you know, maybe actually their marriage is, is sort of dwindling and they can't face it. Or maybe they can't face the feelings of dissatisfaction or resentment or, you know, this is quite big stuff. Like it takes a lot. I think, I think we're in a, we have to be really careful you know, like on Instagram, like, you know, these like blunt quotes around resting and stopping, like, actually, I think we need a lot more compassion. It's really hard. Yeah, if you, yeah. if you are running from yourself, because there's stuff you don't want to feel or deal with, maybe really painful stuff, then being busy is a coping tool. It's a really yeah. effective coping tool. And only avoidance. when you're avoidance, yeah, yeah. right? But only when you're ready, or it gets too painful, only when you're ready can you think, actually, I've got some support around me and I'm going to have to feel, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to have to start to feel this stuff that I'm running from. That's what busyness is about. It's about yeah. avoidance. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 for me, it takes courage because I know it took so much courage for me to stop. Like when I first started meditating, it was like hell <laughs> because all of the stuff... <laughs> that I, that I didn't want to feel came up yeah. and I thought it's going to die. Really? Oh. It's like awful. So I have loads of compassion when I see people running around being busy. I think, yeah, like there's stuff that's going on that you don't want to feel. That's okay. You know, maybe one day you might, you might choose a, a more, you might feel the, feel the courage that you want something more for your life. Um, that's my wish for everyone, of course. But I think, I think, I think um, it goes deep. This stuff, like it's not easy. It takes, it's not and it easy. Takes courage. I love real that. courage to stop. Yeah, it really it takes real does. courage to yeah. stop and get reflective and actually ask yourself the question: What is it I truly want? 
how do I truly want to be? What do I truly want to feel? What do I really want to do here? Yeah, because a lot of grief can come up. Like, I don't know yeah. about you when you started doing this work, but when I started coming into this, like, awareness, I was like, oh, God, I've wasted. Like, that was my feeling. I was like, when I didn't have self-love, I was like, God, I've wasted, like, 10 years just running away from myself, doing jobs that mm. don't serve me, dating people I didn't really like, in friendships that I didn't want to be in, going to parties yeah. that I hated. I was like, yeah. I've wasted the best years of my life. That was my first, you know, so it's like, it can be really hard, particularly if you're older, you know, I have some clients who are 50, 60, and they'll, they'll think, they'll sob. They're like, I have been unconscious. I have slept, walked through 30 years of my life and, it's, and yeah. I'm, I've lost it. So, But know. it's a beautiful, there's such beauty in that because, okay, well, let's not waste another 30 years. Exactly, exactly. It's never really wasted, no. like we're always learning. No. But I think, I think what I mean is that it does, it does take real courage to, it to do does. this work it's it's and like it can be I think Instagram is such a great tool and I love it but equally I think I think it can be quite blunt at all do you know what I mean it's hard to get the nuance across yeah. um and I think yeah. I think it it does take such courage to look within because because as you say the modeling out there is is most people are deeply unconscious like most people yeah. that you meet will be sleepwalking through life to i be know i know and i and let me can i add to that it takes continuous courage yes it's not it's not like all oh, right i've got i've got about a courage for the next week and i'm gonna i'm gonna be brave and look within myself you have to keep looking yeah well brené brown that. you know who i love and oh, for her work yeah. she says you can have comfort or courage you can't have both you can't so, so to live a courageous life takes it means you're basically constantly in some level of discomfort <laughs> but it's, it's good it's good discomfort it's that growing pains you know like oh you know like I did with that email it's not comfortable no like it would have been way more comfortable and easy for me to show up at that thing do it and go home that would have been yep. the comfort option yeah but I chose and I love courage yeah Yes. And it's discomfort. Well, and, you, and, you, and you chose to stand by who you are and to stand by your value and your worth. Mm. Which is the definition that, of courage. Yeah. And, and that, again, it takes so much bravery. Mm. And, well, it's and not I'm courage so, if it's easy. If it's easy, then it's not courageous. Well, no, what I did yesterday, for example, what I found courageous yesterday, I'm not going to find courageous today. And I always say that to my clients. And by the way, Courage is an ever-fluid thing. It keeps moving. The goalposts will keep changing. So you have to keep showing up for courage. Yeah, exactly. Zoe, thank you so much for bringing your incredible wisdom and inspiration here to Femaling. Um, I have a quote. I always like to end my shows with a quote, and it's from you. Oh. And it says, we won't get where we want to be by beating ourselves up. We will get there by being kind to ourselves. That's true. And it works. <laughs> well, I believe you. I was on I'm point sure. when I wrote that that day, clearly. <laughs> and, it, and it is true. And actually, I think it beautifully sums up the conversation that we've just had. Um, thank you for doing the work that you do. Thank you for being there to support women and support mothers. I think you are an absolute inspiration. I'm a true champion of yours. I really am. No, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for bringing yourself here and for showing up here today and for saying yes. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you for having me.
pleasure. You have been listening to the Female in Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Goodman. Thank you so much for your time and for listening today. If you love this podcast and found value in it, please go and subscribe, write a brilliant review, and go and share it with your friends who need a bit of femaling in their world. You can find me on all social media channels for more of my work, Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, Facebook Nicole Goodman Women's Identity Coach, and you can also find my private Facebook group, all the magic of conversation happens with a really amazing community of women thank you again for joining me today this has been femaling i'll be back next week with another episode and remember it is the most exciting time to be a woman